Romans chapter 15 is where I will begin. I'm going to share some thoughts that I know several years ago I did bits and pieces of this. But I sense uh, a theme rising in my heart that to be shared with the congregation. Uh, and I just want to lay a foundation and build on it. But Romans 15 Verse number 13, it's got to be one of my personal favorite verses of Scripture, where it says, Now may the God of hope, don't you like those words? The God, not of despair, not of defeat, not of depression, but the God of hope. The God you serve is a God of hope. And because He is a God of hope, this is what He does. May He fill you. What's the word fill mean? (laughs) Fill. Not a little bit. It's a capacity. Fill. The whole thing. Full. May that God of hope fill you with all. How much? Just a little bit? All joy and peace in believing that you may abound. That word means you can't keep it down. Like a geyser, it's got to spring up. It's got to bubble forth. That you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's got to be at least a dozen sermons in that verse alone. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. To me, I think if I was to pick a favorite word in the English language, I think it would be hope. That would be my favorite word. I like the word. Because the word it sparkles like a diamond. You shine light on it, it reflects with brilliance no matter what angle you look at it. Hope has got the power to lift clouds off your life. Take away every trace of depression. If you're filled with hope, you have a twinkle in your eye. You have cheer in your heart. And there's a spring to your step. Hope makes people come alive. Amen? And I want to tell you the God that we worship today is the God of hope. I don't care what the future looks like. I know the end of the story. Have you heard it before? The end of the story is glory. Now, what is hope? Forgive me for a small amount of repetition, but what is hope? The definition of hope. The New Testament gives you a beautiful verse that, to me, is the definition of a biblical hope. And the definition I'm going to give you now is not the definition that this world uses. When the world uses the word hope, there's nothing sure about it. There's no guarantee about it. To the world, hope just means a wish that is unattainable. But in the New Testament, hope is much more definite than that. Romans 8, 24 and 25 says, We are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why do you hope for something if you can already see it? But if you hope for what you do not see... We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Notice that hope saves us. It has a saving effect on us. And we'll look at that. But the definition that we have here is that hope is a secure expectation of your future. It's not wishful thinking about your future. It is a sure expectation of your future. If you already possess something, if you already see it, you don't have to hope for it. 
But if you're waiting for something that you do not yet see, that means it's projected into the future. It makes no sense for me to ask this question, how many of you just are hoping to be here last week? The question makes no sense. You may have wished, but hope doesn't project itself backwards in time. It makes no sense for me to ask the question, how many hope to be here today? You don't have to hope for it. That's already a fact. You don't hope for what already is a present fact. But if I ask the question, how many hope to be here next week? Then the question makes sense. Hope is always directed towards the future. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 5 says, You and I as believers have a hope for the future. Galatians 5 verse 5 says, For we, through the Spirit, wait eagerly for the hope of righteousness by faith. There is a hope of righteousness that is still ahead of us as believers, and we are waiting with eagerness. How do you wait for, with eagerness? Is it just putting in time, or are you just full of dreams and anticipation, and you can hardly wait for the day to come? Have you ever seen a child the day before Christmas wait with eager expectation? How many know the day can't come quick enough? It's not just putting in time. It is putting your heart, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions are so attracted by what you know is coming that you go crazy today waiting for it. Is that correct? And that's how you're all about the Lord's coming, right? You can hardly wait with eager anticipation and expectation because the thought that He's coming stirs your heart, stirs your mind, stirs your emotions, and you can hardly last through the night because you just want morning to come. Am I describing you? We eagerly wait with anticipation. Now, in the Old Testament, if you were to ask a prophet in the Old Testament, what should our attitude be towards the future? The Old Testament prophets would only give you one of two options in by which you should be living your life. When you think about the future, option number A is fear. You are scared of what tomorrow is going to bring. Option number B is hope. You anticipate good things about tomorrow. It's either fear or it's hope when you think about the future. And the Old Testament prophets did not give you a third option. There's no neutral position. And so when you listen to the news, when you see what's going on in this world, what is your expectation of tomorrow? Are you fearful or are you full of hope? i got news for you. God is the God of hope. Amen. We don't need to fear the future because God happens to be in control. I know the end of the story and He is the God of hope. Amen. He's the God of hope. Now, Scripture uses this word hope in two dimensions. Number one, it refers to a promise or a word that you have from God that is not yet fulfilled or perhaps in the process of fulfillment, but you don't have the fullness of what God has promised you yet. It comes as a word from God concerning something about your future. Now listen to this. Thankfully, my future does not depend on my past. Anybody happy about that one? Your future does not depend on your past. However, neither does your future depend upon your present circumstances. I thought you'd be excited. Your future does not depend on your present circumstances. Your future depends on the fact that God has given you a promise. That God has 
spoken. Psalm 119 and verse 49. The psalmist cries out, you know, to help in the present time because you have caused me to hope in your promise to me. Amen. There is a promise of the future. So the first aspect of hope is that there is a promise from God that is not yet fulfilled or is in the process of being fulfilled, but the sureness of the promise is in the fact that God said it. Amen. Now, the second way the word hope is used in Scripture is that while you are waiting... Now, how many love to wait? Didn't think so. While you are waiting you actually experience patience. Don't smile at me funny. You actually experience patience. And while you are patiently waiting, you are filled with eager anticipation. You can't hardly wait for God's promise to come to pass. You're like a child the night before Christmas. The morning has got to get here quickly. You are eagerly, eagerly waiting. Your mind, your heart, your will, and your emotions are so stirred up by what you know is coming. And therefore, if you have hope, you are a person of a positive mental attitude. You have a positive mental attitude no matter how difficult the present circumstance seems. Why? Because you know the end is guaranteed and therefore you can weather all the challenges, weather all the storms with cheerfulness, full of life and full of energy because hope, no matter what your present is, hope makes you rejoice. Romans chapter 12, verse 12, says we rejoice in hope. Hope makes you rejoice. Now, as you're aware, I spent a lot of time traveling around the world. And I once took a survey and asked this question, asked three questions actually. Question number one, faith, hope, and love. How many can recall hearing a message about faith? And you know what the answer was? Unanimously, 100%. Everybody has heard something on faith. Now, it's not all been good. Some of it's been extreme. Some of it's built on wrong stuff. But everybody has heard faith as there's almost a faith movement swept through the whole world. Yes, I heard, matter of fact, I heard dozens of sermons on faith. How many have ever heard a message dedicated to love? You think the answer would be 100%, but it's not. The average response I got was about 75% of a congregation would say, yeah, I can remember pastor preaching on love sometime, once. But then when I asked the third question, how many of you ever heard a message on hope? Then usually the congregation went very, very silent. And the average response that I got when I asked the question, are you ready for this? Only... 3% of all churches I ever asked that question, 3% of the congregation could ever remember a pastor preaching on the word hope. 3%. 100% on faith, 75% on love, and almost nothing down to 3% on the subject of hope. Now, I'll tell you what, that concerns me. It concerns me big time. Because if we have become hopeless because we neglect the topic, then we're in a bad way. Amen? Because faith, hope, and love work together. And if hope is missing, I'll guarantee you everything you think you know about faith is wrong. Why? Because Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And if you don't know what faith is, you don't know what, or don't know what hope is, you don't know what faith is substance of. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And if we don't understand hope, I'll guarantee you, you don't understand faith. 
And if faith is deficient because we don't understand hope, I will guarantee you that love is very deficient as well. Because Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 6, it says that when faith gets tested, that faith will give birth to love and express itself through love. You can't have real love without faith, and you can't have real faith without hope. So in other words, hope is the basic building block upon which faith is built and upon which love is built. But hope is your bedrock. And the other things come out of hope. These things work together. Now my personal favorite story, I'm giving you my favorite verse, if I give you my favorite Old Testament story, is found in the book of Genesis, the story of Joseph. And you all know the story well. I've preached it many times over the years, especially in seminars of people who've been given dreams when they were young. And God put a call on your life when you were a teenager, when you were young. And then you've got to wait decades before it actually comes to pass. But you know the story of Joseph. He was only 17, a teenager, when God gave him not one, but gave him two dreams. And in both of those dreams, it involved his other brothers and his mother and father, especially his brothers, bowing down to him and recognizing him as some sort of authority. Now, when Joseph had those dreams, he had no clue what they meant. He did not have a proper interpretation, but he knew that God had spoken, but he did not know what it meant. He did not know how they would be filled Fulfilled, And I am sure that he gave those words from the Lord a wrong interpretation because he was likely desiring that those words would be fulfilled right here and right now. I'm 17 years old. I have my coat of many colors. You brothers go work out in the field. I'll stay with my bubble bath. And you must all acknowledge me that I am Father's favorite son. Whether you like it or not, bow down to me. And I am sure that he gave that interpretation because his attitude over the next while reflected that kind of an interpretation. A wrong interpretation. Nevertheless, once God speaks to you, how many know this? As confused as you might get, as discouraged as you might get, You'll never, you cannot ever, ever, ever deny that you know that you know that you know that God spoke to you. You can't get it out of your system. Is that not correct? You simply cannot deny it. You try to, sometimes in your life, set it aside. You sometimes try to run from it. But you can never deny it. And you know that God has spoken to you. So he had a hope a promise from God. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, which means while I am eagerly anticipating and expecting God to fulfill that promise in my life, I discover that in experience, my life goes completely backwards to what God promised me. How many have discovered that in your life? You know what God had said, and then your life seems to go on a merry-go-round in the wrong direction, And everything that God said seems to get further and further and further and further and further away. How many have had that experience? And as you're going backwards in your experience, you think it's backwards, you still cannot deny that God spoke and you are in this constant wrestling match between your backwards experience and the word that God said to you. You know what I'm talking about because there's not a single human being that doesn't go through this. It's called the trial of your faith. And you have to make a decision every day. Am I going to live according to that word that seems more impossible now than ever? Or am I going to live according to my backward circumstances? Which one controls my mind? Which one controls my heart? Which one controls my emotions? When faith wins, that means I don't understand it. I don't know how it's going to happen. But God's going to keep his word to me. And I choose to invest my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions in that word from the Lord. They're going to dictate how I live. That word from the Lord is going to dictate how I think, how I feel, what I do with my emotions, what I do with my mind, what I do with my will, not my circumstances. 
And every time that happens, faith wins in you, and there's a process that's happening, and that process, undiscernible to yourself, is that you're actually learning to be a person of love. That's what God is doing. He's training you to love, though it's not discernible to you as you go through it. All you know is you're in a big fight for what you believe, but God is shaping you and teaching you to be a person of love. So that when 22 years later, when your brothers do show up and bow before this Egyptian governor, who they haven't got a clue who he is, that governor, who is Joseph, doesn't hate his brothers, doesn't want to get even with them, but he uses his God-given authority to save them, and mercy rejoices over judgment. Faith, hope, and love work together. Amen? Faith, hope, and love work together. Joseph was a different man at the end of the story than at the beginning of the story. If hope is deficient, then faith and love do not become realities in our lives. Our positive expectation of the future is based upon two things in Scripture. Foundation number one, God cannot tell you a lie. Amen. Titus chapter 1 verse 2, it says, In hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time again. God cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, verses 18 and 19, put it this way. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. By, by these two unchangeable things in which, number one, it is impossible for God to lie. And so when God spoke to you, when that word was deposited in your heart, it gets in there, it sticks in there, it's like a fish hook that you just can't get out of your heart. It's stuck in there. It's not a lie. Amen. God cannot lie. And therefore, since the truth is He cannot lie, you have a strong consolation. And every time life challenges, you just keep going back to that word from God. How many keep running back to that word from God? You run back to that word from God. And it says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, it's sure and it's steadfast. Foundation number one, when God spoke to you, He wasn't teasing you. He wasn't dangling a carrot in front of you that you're never going to get. He intends to fulfill His promise. He cannot lie. The second foundation that you can have such a sure, positive expectation of the future is this. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. You can be excited. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How many know that the last enemy is death? After sin kills you, what else can it do? What is the final fruit of sin? What's the last thing the devil can do to you? Death is the final enemy, and if Jesus Christ has defeated death by being raised from the dead, then I can say there is no enemy in heaven, on earth, or in hell, in present, in past, or in time's future. There does not exist an enemy that can possibly even attempt to think of attempting to thwart God's promise. Every enemy is totally defeated. God is in Control. Isn't that the truth? Therefore, what's going to hinder you? There's only one person that can hinder you. Guess who that might be? Now, Peter says we've been born again unto a living hope. Hope makes people come alive. Have you ever been around people who have no hope? Have you ever been around people who've got no hope? They're not good company. 
discouragement, defeat, negative talking, suicidal, get out of this, whatever. I want to tell you something. Hope makes people come alive. Amen. Hope makes people come alive. Hope is something that animates. It makes you energetic. It makes you vibrant. It makes you come alive. A person who is full of hope is a person who is energetic and full of life because you could hardly wait for Christmas morning to show up. You are so eagerly looking for it. So eagerly looking for it. So the fact is this. I got good news for you. The end of your story is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. So that means we have absolute assurance of victory. And therefore, you don't just put in time. You eagerly apply yourself for the fulfillment of God's word. We'll look at that. Now Romans 8, it says, we're saved in this hope. What do you mean you're saved by hope? People get confused with that because, oh, I'm supposed to be saved by faith, saved by hope. How many know that your mind, your will, and your emotions need a lot of help? Anybody ever discover that one? Your mind, your will, and your emotions need a lot of help. I'm going to give you five things to show you how faith can save you. Number one, if you are filled with hope, you live with the expectation of good. You have the expectation of good. You don't have an attitude that says this, well, nothing good will ever happen to me. I can't expect much out of my life. So I guess I just have to settle and learn to be content with what I've got without striving for anything better. A person with hope never says that. Why? Because you should not settle for less than God has ever intended for your life. A person with hope is delivered from that attitude. Don't settle for far less than the fulfillment of that dream that God gave you. Don't settle for anything less. Save yourself from that. A second way that hope saves you is that you're able to trust. How many people find it hard to trust? Because you're tired of being disappointed when you put your trust in people. So some people just make the decision, I'm just, the only person I'm going to trust is myself. Anybody like that? Don't raise your hands. No. <laughs> you know, you're able to trust. Because the one who has given you the promise just happens to be in control of every event in this world. You are able to trust. Which means this. You can allow the deep yearnings of your heart to be expressed. And you're able to talk about those dreams. And you're allowed, you, you allow yourself to speak them because you know that God cannot disappoint you. You can speak them out. You can start sharing them. You can live in them. You can allow those dreams to, to fulfill your heart and fill you with energy. And you can begin to dream of the fulfillment of those things that God has said. You can allow yourself to live. Why? Because we're a God of hope. The third thing that hope does, how hope saves us, if you're filled with hope, you can patiently wait I thought that would get an amen. You can patiently wait and you can work through the difficult challenges when your faith is tested. When your faith is tested, you can work through those difficult challenges. Why? Because you know the end is guaranteed. You know the God you serve just happens to be able to take everything and make it work for your good. You're not going to be disappointed. The fourth thing is that hope saves our soul in the sense that our minds, our will, and our emotions need a lot of encouragement. Hope allows you to have a positive mental attitude instead of a negative outlook on life. 
Hope saves us because it replaces discouragement with courage. Psalm 42, Psalm 43, Come on, soul, why are you disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Hope thou in God. Quit looking at the circumstances and quit having pity parties or how difficult that it is. The end of the story is glory and God has given me His word. Come on, soul, get with the program and hope thou in God. Hope saves us from ourselves. Amen. It, 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 it replaces discouragement with courage. Hope saves us by overthrowing a negative outlook, by dealing with fear and anxiety in our lives, replacing those things with positive and expected, eager expectation. The mind especially needs help. Anybody can say amen to that one? The mind especially needs help. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if we are thinking with negativity and depression, anxiety and fear of all of those things, and that's going to work itself through your life, but hope saves you from that. 1 Peter 1.13 says, Gird up the loins of your mind and hope to the end. Gird up the loins of your mind. What is Peter trying to say? Now believe me, I've never had the experience of trying to run in a dress. Thank God for that, right? But you know, if you're wearing a long flowing robe or a gown or something and you're trying to run a race in it, how many know that those you know, around your feet are going to get tied up and tripped up if you try to run? Is that not right? Is that correct? So if you're going to run a race, you need to lift and tuck to leave your feet free. And then you can run. I don't know by experience, of course. But you need to lift and gird them up so that your feet are free to run. Because if you're wearing these long dresses and someone goes fire and you want to run out the building, I'll guarantee every lady wearing a long dress will just, you know, you want to race quickly, just a tiny bit, right? But you're going, to, you're going to make sure your feet are free or else you're going to be tripped up and stumble along the way. That's the mind. The mind has to be girded up. The mind has to be made subject to hope. Hope, hope, hope. Put your mind and your thoughts and your heart in what God has said and get rid of those loose ends and gird them up and make them subject to the hope. Otherwise, you get tripped up. That's why Paul would say in 1 Thessalonians 5.8, put on for the helmet the hope of salvation. Hope covers the head. Hope covers the mind. Hope will save you. And one other way that hope saves us is 1 John chapter 3 and verse 3, is that hope keeps you pure. A silly question, but who has more hope of getting married? person engaged or the person not engaged? I mean, the answer is simple, isn't it? But the fact is that if a person is engaged to be married, then you know that there's a future that you're working for, and because the engagement is real, you keep your life pure. Is that not correct? It, it, you, you keep yourself for the day. Hope purifies us. Do we understand what our future is? Do we know what the end of our salvation is? Do we understand that we are the family of God? Do we understand that you are joint heirs together with Christ? Do we understand the glories that await us? So much so that we can say, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be aired with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Do we understand our calling? Do we understand our destiny? Do we understand where we're going. Who would trade it for a mere worldly pleasure that cannot and does not satisfy? We keep ourselves pure for the day. A personal example for my own life, if that's worth anything to anybody. I'm going to tell you a story. When I was a teenager, many years ago, 
I was both learning and teaching guitar lessons. At the age of 16, I dropped out of school. I don't recommend that. And I taught music for a living at the age of 16. Since most of that work was evening work and weekend work, my daytime was spent in rigid practice. I've told you this before, but I spent four hours per day in Bible study. I spent two hours per day in classical guitar practice. I would not have considered myself a professional player, though I did entertain the thought of pursuing that at one point in my life. But I did become quite proficient at playing. I can't hardly play anything compared to what I used to do because it's so out of practice. But I did become quite proficient in playing. I did gain a bit of a reputation, but I had a whole pile yet to learn to do it. And then I remember in my city where we lived, there was a concert by a Canadian world-famous classical guitarist. I remember And I remember going to this, should I go, should I not go? Because the tickets were actually quite dear. Should I go? But you know, yeah, 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 I did go. All right. Now the stage was very simple. There was just a bare stage, one chair, a little footrest where your classical guitarist had to put your foot there and they held held the guitar like that, and uh, one microphone. Then I remember the lights all dimming down and a hush goes over the whole crowd and out from behind the curtain out came this lady, this professional guitar player, world famous. And I remember so well she just seemed to float across the stage, long hair just flowing in the background and she had long robes on, she wasn't running, and just kind of sat down on the stool and she never said a word. She just quickly checked her guitar, was in tune, never said anything and she just began to play effortlessly. She just began to play. Now the thing is, because I was a student of this stuff, I had known some of those songs and I played some of those songs myself and I had learned some of them well. But the music just seemed to flow out of her without effort. And for me, with these dreams, it was truly inspiring and I could hardly wait to go home and I was going to pick up my guitar and play some of those same songs. Now, I was experiencing two emotions at the same time. Have you ever experienced two opposite emotions at the same time? Have you been there? One of the emotions was, was anticipation, excitement, with a longing that I wish I could go home and pick up my guitar and play it that well, execute it that well, without effort. And there was yearning and desiring and inspiration was in me. But at the same time... I had this element of fear because I think, I don't know if I can do that or not. And I was afraid of dreaming lest I be disappointed and yet I couldn't help dream but I didn't want to dream in case I was disappointed. Anybody have opposite emotions like that? How many go through stuff like that? You know, and so, but undeterred by my fears with some stubbornness that I picked up somewhere in my life, I went home. (laughs) I went home and I picked up the guitar and I said, I'm going to play some of those songs that she just played. But somehow, they just didn't sound the same. And neither did it just flow out of me at all. As a matter of fact, I remember the harder I tried, the more mistakes I made. But with stubbornness, I tried and I tried and I tried. But the more I tried, the more I seemed to be coming more distant from my dreams. The more mistakes I made, the more I was convinced I will never match up to the professionals And then I eventually made the fatal mistake of saying to myself, this is hopeless. Now why did I say the fatal mistake? Because when you say that word to your soul, hopeless, what does that do to you? You quit trying because you no longer believe in the future. 
And what was a hope is only a wish that will never be fulfilled in your life. Once I said that word hopeless, I ceased trying because I was sure I could never attain. So why do you devote yourself to eventually being disappointed at the end? Without hope, there's no need for effort. Without hope, your life dissipates. After all, Proverbs 13, verse 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So I went through a period of disillusion when I put my guitar away. I didn't want to pick it up anymore just to be reminded of my dreams that could not be fulfilled. Matter of fact, it became something to avoid in my life and it just hurt too much to visit that area of my heart. So I allowed myself to shut down in order not to experience the pain of disappointment. I wonder how many people live like that. I wonder how many people have just shut down areas of their heart and their lives for fear of disappointment. Now, let me tell you a story. Something unusual happened. Now, remember, this is a story. On a return trip to that city, this famous guitarist heard about me from one of the local organizers. She took compassion on me, startled me one day by knocking on the door of the house. I immediately recognized her and I didn't know what to do. To allow her to come in meant that I had to visit that painful area of my heart. And I didn't want to go visit there. I had refused to allow that part of my heart to live. But her presence forced that sensitive issue back to the surface in my heart. She asked me, where's your guitar? I didn't want to get it. I didn't want to get it out of its hiding place. I didn't get rid of it. You just hide it. Because you want to let the dream live, but you never want to face it. So you don't get rid of it, but you hide it so you never see it. But she insisted, and she took it, and she tuned it up, and she began to play. She got most beautiful sounds out of my instrument, but it only added to my inner torment. But it proved the capability of what that instrument was worth and the potential was there if I would just learn to master it. Then she said these words, I understand you had a dream that you let die because of a sense of hopelessness. Your problem is that you don't know how to achieve your goal. But I do. So I will become your instructor. I will guide you through the process. I will give you the proper advice and the lessons that you need in the order that you must learn them. Some of those lessons will be hard and some of them will be demanding. But if you will submit to my teaching, you will become as accomplished as I am. Will you allow me to work with you? Well, needless to say, was shock. Two emotions come racing up in my heart again. Hope is stirred again, but fear of disappointment is stirred also. Do I dare to believe and trust myself to those kinds of words? Now, because of her assurance, the fulfillment of my dreams was attainable. It would take great discipline on my part. It would take a lot of effort on my part. But the victory at the end of the story was guaranteed if only I would apply myself in submission to her teachings and to her commands. Now believe you me, some of the lessons were incredibly difficult. Even though I had lots of experience of playing at the level that I did, there were new levels for me to push through. I was given lessons and exercises to learn that had never entered my imagination My arms, my fingers ached with unusual pain as I discovered muscles I never knew I had. It hurt. It really, really hurt. But after a while of persistent effort over time on my part, the stubborn muscles and the pain yielded to the joy of the dream finally being fulfilled. Because hope became alive, guaranteeing the victory at the end, I could push myself through the hard, difficult, painful lessons. 
Now, if you believe any of that story, I've just changed my profession to professional liar. Because the story's not true. I'm just setting you up. I'm like God who doesn't tell a lie. I just told you a story. The fact is this part of the story is true. Yes, I did go to the concert. Yes, I was inspired. Yes, I was deflated about my own ability. But no, that famous person, never heard of me, did not have compassion on me, and did not come to visit me, and did not offer to be my mentor. Only in my imagination. But it sets up a story. Because I'm going to tell you a true story. Somebody better has come to me. Somebody far more skilled, far more proficient, far more compassionate has come to me. The Holy Spirit has come to me. Come on now. I said, you got a better teacher. You have a better instructor and a better mentor. Do you remember what we read in Galatians 5, 5, Romans 15, 13, through the power of the Spirit? that we would abound in hope. Through the Spirit, we can eagerly wait with expectation for the hope of righteousness to be the fulfilled. The fact is this, the Holy Spirit, who spoke those words into your life many years ago, decades ago, maybe yesterday, maybe 20 years ago, maybe 30, 40 years ago, God spoke into your life. And you, 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 you carry on with your life, but... Deep down, you can never get rid of that knowledge that you know back some point God has spoken to you. You know it. That same Holy Spirit that spoke to you is going to be your personal teacher. I will come and lead you, the Holy Spirit says. I'll be your personal teacher. I'll be your coach. I will be your mentor. And He will lead us step by step. He will inspire us, guide us, take us into God's will for our lives, lesson by lesson. And yes, some of the lessons are difficult, and you're going to end up discovering muscles that you never had. But if you're going to attain, you've got to learn the lessons. And He will show you what lessons you need, in what order you need those lessons. And, but the fact is, some of those lessons are difficult. Some of the things, some of the commands are hard to take. But you know what? It's worth going through it. Because if you work with the Holy Spirit, there's a guaranteed end. Amen? There is a guaranteed end. Hope gives you the initiative to keep pushing when some of life gets really, really difficult. Remember, the end of the story is... Glory. The path to glory is always marked. I wish I could tell you different. But the path to glory is always marked with suffering and real testings in your life. Some of those lessons are hard, but the guarantee of achievement is ours if we submit to the Holy Spirit's guidance and the commands of our Master. He hasn't lied to us. Amen. In this room, I know... And I, I'm a privileged person to be here. We're privileged people because I know that in this room we have people who are hungry for God 100% of your life. You want to fulfill God's will for your life. There are people in this room that I know have just made the decision they're not going to live for this world. There's a call of God on their lives and you're hungry for the fulfillment of that call. There are visions that people have given in this room. There are anointings, there are giftings, there are callings that are all in the process of development. In this room, potentially, there are gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, there's gifts of, of, of teaching, there's gifts of evangelism, there's gifts of laying hands on the sick, there's gifts of power demonstrated. That's all in this room. The fact is this, that God has placed these dreams in your heart. There's dreams of revival, dreams of the lost being swept into the kingdom, dreams of the power of God being manifest, dreams of people being saved, dreams of success in evangelism, dreams of revival, dreams of God sweeping into this city. Are those things born out of a wild imagination, or has God truly spoken those things? Are we creating these ourselves, or has God really spoken those things? I remind you, God 
cannot lie. I remind you, Jesus has defeated the grave. So there is nothing nor any power in all time and eternity that can possibly stand in the way of your God-given dreams becoming a reality. The only issue is this, your willingness to submit, to learn, and to apply yourself. To follow His leadings. For the sake of emphasis, I'm not suggesting that anything is going to come to pass in your life without cost, without effort, and without determination. You have to submit, you have to learn, and many sacrifices will be required of you. But we can apply every effort with all diligence. You can strive with all your energy for because we know with the Holy Spirit's guidance and enabling we will come to the achievement of our God-given dreams. Because we know the end is guaranteed, we're going to realize this, that that dream will be challenged and tested many times. But every time you're challenged, every opposition, every test and every trial that seeks to discourage you will only serve to challenge your determination to succeed. What it actually does, it sharpens your desires for what God has promised. Your desires are sharpened and you even double your efforts. Nobody needs to come behind. God has given gifts as He sees fit. If He has given you a gift or a calling or desire in your life, it's because He believes the potential is there. He created you with that potential. i got good news for you. God believes in you. God believes in you. Now God gives you the Holy Spirit to lead you into the fulfillment as He will teach you lesson by lesson. If we submit to the Holy Spirit, if we apply ourselves with firm resolution, those hopes will be realized in our experience. One last verse, Romans chapter 5 and verse 5. King James says, Hope does not make ashamed. Modern English God doesn't give you hope to leave you disappointed at the end. Hope will not leave you disappointed. We have a future. Amen? There are dreams, there are visions, there are callings, there are giftings all through this room. And what a pleasure to be part of such a group of people. And God has spoken like this. People will pay any price to see God's dreams come to pass. Hope will not leave us disappointed.